Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, joined by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Uh, I've been playing chess. <laughs> um, it's good good couples therapy if you want to uh, do something exciting with your, your partner, with your missus. Play some chess. You'll get you'll you'll work out some things, I guarantee. Uh, I hadn't I hadn't played for a little while. And I was playing with Ash last night. Dust. I have like a real nice wooden chessboard. Dusted it off. Uh, dusted each piece individually with <laughs> right. love and care. Um, and first first game out of the gate, she fucking whooped me. And I was like, oh shit! Like I I didn't kind of didn't expect that. And uh, she hadn't played for a long time either. And uh, of course, she wanted to tweet about it right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like, I'm taking I a picture that. of this checkmate. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, we we kept playing, and I um, uh, I I won repeatedly after that. But I had we had there was one game where um, there was only two pawns off the board, and I checkmated her, <laughs> and I was just oh, like, wow. I was like, woohoo! In your face, <laughs> eat it! I've never checkmated somebody that fast, but no, I wasn't like that at all. But I did get my revenge a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, of course, everybody's now. Uh, Playing chess because of the Queen's Gambit, uh, right. you know, Taylor Joy's huge vehicle that uh, she started, which is just the, the time and craft they put into that show, which is phenomenal. Uh, I encourage anyone listening to this to watch it if you haven't already, because um, there's so many things. Every movie that tries to do chess like does things wrong, you know, just like does a ton of things wrong. And the only thing this film kind of cheats at is the fact that like the players still talk to each other a little bit, which is actually in, in professional tournaments, like you cannot talk to the other person. Like you would never have that happen. But right. being that it's Hollywood, you got to have a little bit of banter. But uh, most of the storytelling is all just done with, you know, camera, music. Um, but apparently every game that they, they portray was the exact moves of like a famous game that actually happened, right? Um, so even if you're, you're seeing the board or not seeing the board, like it's hard to tell what's going on in a game by just looking at someone else's board unless you're really really good at chess and can like just see every possible angle so you know they the filmmakers really have to rely on the actors to tell the story with their reactions to things so that you know like who's up or who's down and what's going on um and when i watched it i was like oh well i like clearly this is based on somebody's real life i'm gonna look this up this has got to be like the you know female bobby fisher sure enough it wasn't and i was like thank god it wasn't because i did not want it to be based on a real person i wanted it to be an actual fictional character and it is based on a novel of the same name and actually heath ledger was uh trying to produce it uh, at the time he died yeah so once that happened it, it got handed off to somebody else and of course you know anything of this scale anytime you're adapting something that's uh, you know, whoever's passion project that is, that's going to be you know years of pre-production before you get it there. But right, just you know, very inspiring, great story. You know, she's got some the character has some substance abuse issues, but she's not like you know hitting rock bottom. She's just kind of like coasting through it. You know, and it's like does, they don't really make it clear like if it helps her or hinders her. You would think that like any kind of drug would not make you as good at you know uh, trying to figure out chess moves, but they don't show her like high and trying to play at the same time or anything so ridiculous, but uh, yeah, great story. And uh, really, you know, the only, the only thing that they said was inaccurate was that uh, all the men are way too nice to her because in real life in the 
50s, 60s, and 70s, the very few women professional chess players were basically told they didn't belong there. And even, right. you know, like the, the some of the greats, you know, they all would say that women were just inferior and couldn't do it, you know. And their evidence was always, you know, how few women would do it. You know, not taking into account that, you know, you know it's really it's the, the, the participation bias it was basically because of the sexism in the first place. If you're in an environment where nobody wants you to be there and they're an asshole to you, like you're not going to come back. <laughs> right? right. So it, it's um, just funny. Cause it like, you know, men will do that with women in, in sports all the time. And it's like, Oh, well you're just not as developed as I am physically. So you can't, but so in a sport or, you know, at a game, whatever you want to call it like that, where there's no, you know, physical, uh, component really it, it's just so funny that they're still like oh well you know you're you know it's you're not good enough to play this game it's just right. like no like i i'm not that good i'm insecure about my how good i am so i don't want a whole other 50 percent of the country to be you know <laughs> in the talent pool that i have right. to then fend you know well, fend off the, the irony though is that you know in in chess the queen has the most abilities the by far the most powerful <clears throat> player on the board but it wasn't always that way it was actually during one of the monarchies in like the 1500s that whoever was the actual queen at the time changed the rules of chess (laughs) to make the queen the most powerful player and a bunch of dudes got all fucking butthurt about it because you know back then chess was a big fucking deal because there wasn't a lot of shit to do back in the 1500s it's like well what do you have to do well we can die the plague play chess or starve in a potato famine like that's just what else is there chess was the equivalent of twitch back then like there there was (laughs) no streaming so they were just so incensed you know all the all the all the bros all the gamer bros (laughs) back in uh you know the 1500s were like what the woman has more power that's um So, yeah, just just love love the history of that, how, like, men have always been (laughs) insecure about their prowess on and off the board of chess. That's that's interesting. I didn't know about Ledger Purdue. I wonder if that was going to be his first directing project, because I know he was talking about directing stuff before he died. And Mm -hmm. I I actually think he would have been a he worked with a lot of really great directors. So I think that would have been a really interesting, you know, trajectory to see from him uh, yeah yeah absolutely it, it is kind of interesting though in the story because you know, the 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 few men that you know the younger men she plays end up kind of like befriending her and trying to help her get better right mm-hmm. so you do get like a little bit of like you know it's not her against the world like there's the there is sort of like a team of people working together which kind of makes it a little more uh, rewarding than just you know a, a singular character's story right right yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's get let's get into the news of the week, which you can tell we're, we're thrilled to do. Um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously um, we've talked about it uh, quite a bit over the last month or so. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, just my favorite governor, of course, uh, back in the news again <laughs> this week, um, because now the number of women who have accused him of sexual harassment and or sexual assault, which we'll, you know, detail... Uh, is up to six right now, and you know I'm sure, I'm sure that's not the only six women he's ever sexually harassed and/or assaulted in his life. Uh, you know, from everything you read about him, you tell that this is not only a pattern of behavior, but this is just who he is fundamentally as a person. Like he's he's just a fucking bully. He's a scumbag. He has no uh, compunctions whatsoever with just acting like a total fucking pig at all times. Um, and he's been that way ever since he was a kid. I mean, there, you know, there was this New York Times article 
uh, yeah, actually, maybe no, that wasn't in the Times article. That there was this long form article. I think maybe it was in the New Yorker about Cuomo um, and his kind of downfall recently. Uh, there's been been a lot of Cuomo articles, so I'm, I'm conflating them all. But it, it talks a lot about his time uh, as a campaign manager for his father's uh, mayoral run for Mario Cuomo, and for his gov- uh, gubernatorial run. And um, you know, he was like. I think 16 when he first was working on his father's uh, mayoral mm-hmm. campaign and everyone back then was like, Oh, he's the biggest dickhead on the planet. Like he was such a bully. He would just go and intimidate anyone that needed to be intimidated. So like this, he's been a thug and like a mook his entire life. Um, so, you know, this comes as no surprise to anyone that's known him, but uh, this week, a couple of interesting, you know, anecdotes came to light. So, um, and by the way, I, I just want to say, you know, for all the fucking blue MAGA, lunatics and i really hope you guys realize one day what lunatics you sound like when you when you act like this is like oh well this is trump's people coming up with this or this is russia i mean you sound exactly like the fucking people who swore up and down that brett kavanaugh was an upstanding citizen that him having a fucking you know meltdown on the on the witness stand and crying about loving beer and you know, uh, playing drinking games uh, was was totally on the up and up and that he wasn't like a a scummy rapist. Uh, You sound exactly like the people that defended him. So just uh, just know that and think about that (laughs) next time. You're like, oh, this uh, is the timing on this is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the Republicans want to fucking get Andrew Cuomo to resign so then they, they can replace him with the slightly less conservative lieutenant governor. That's that's the big fucking master plan by the Republicans. Fucking idiots. But. Well, they they profiled him, uh, you know, New York Times. Um, this is one of the one of the bigger articles that I saw yesterday, and they talked about how, you know, he basically helped get his father elected, and he's got, you know, like all <clears throat> egomaniacal, insecure men, he's obsessed with his father's legacy and trying to outshine it. Right. right, and they talked about how that's you know the reason why he's not going to resign, and he desperately wants to run for re-election for a fourth term, is so that he can be governor longer than his far father was. <laughs> right, right, right. Which is just like the, like the the most. It's just pathetic, right? And and they mentioned you know he he was the attack dog, and his father got to be the nice guy. Well, his father's not around anymore, right? So if you're only the attack dog and don't have a nice guy on your side anymore, uh, you're going to have no one on your side anymore after a while, right? Well, there was this, this yeah. letter. Um, there was apparently a letter uh, praising Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, and saying, you know, we don't believe these allegations. And they, his staff circulated it around to other people well, in New York politics, yeah. and not a single woman would sign on to it. Well, the letter specifically, so the first allegation against Cuomo came out from Lindsey Boylan, who was a former staffer, somebody that liked him enough to work to want to work for him at some point. And that's a commonality with all of these people. It's not like these are some Republican operatives. Literally all of these people at one point or another worked for Andrew Cuomo and were hired by Andrew Cuomo. Um, so she was the first one to come out and come forward and say that he, you know, pretty uh, severely sexually harassed her multiple times, propositioned her, you know, while she was working for him. Um and this was back in December, and we we reported on it at the time, but it really kind of faded away and faded out of the news. But his first move, of course, was to completely destroy and trash her character. So they came up with uh, this letter completely, you know, uh, tearing her character down and talking about, you know, how she's, she's a liar and et cetera, et cetera, and how he would never do such a thing. 
Um, and but and by the way, by all accounts, he had a hand in writing it himself, which is just a total egomaniac move for a politician. Uh, you never write these things yourself when you're a politician. You just have your PR people no. do it. Um, so he circulated it around to all of these female aides and staffers and yeah like you said not a single one would sign it a because they knew that it was bullshit that he was a fucking pig and b because they're like fuck you like we're not gonna bail you out and and to your point about how he's just an attack dog and he's got no friends that's something that repeatedly is mentioned and even uh a former new york lieutenant governor democratic lieutenant governor uh who put his name to the piece like see he was not afraid of andrew Cuomo at all he's like yeah no he's the problem with him is he has literally nobody who who is around him is is has a good relationship with him like he's like even people that that like have a relationship with him would not describe it as a good relationship because he's just a prick like he doesn't engender any kind of sympathy or loyalty because he's just an asshole and right now you see the immediate fleeing uh you know, away from him, from every major prominent New York Democrat, like Chuck Schumer, Kristen Gillibrand, AOC, all have called on him to resign, um, which, you know, I'm sh- the, the the blue MAGA fucking lunatics on Twitter, uh, and who knows how many of those are even real or bots, but they're all like, oh, well, how wait for the investigation and blah, blah, blah. First of all, beyond just the sexual harassment and assault, which, you know, there is being investigated by the New York State AG, Letitia James, who does not like Cuomo. Uh, uh, you know, another uh, a Democrat. She's a little bit better. Um, not my first choice for AG, but whatever. Um, uh, she's investigating those claims, right? His aide admitted to intentionally falsifying the nursing home death count because it would make them look bad and falsifying it to the feds like they that's on record like there there's no wait for the investigation to come out like she admitted to it she admitted to being complicit in it so on that alone he should fucking resign and be prosecuted and even biden yesterday in one of his fucking controlled interviews for like good morning america because he still hasn't done a press conference in the first 60 days of his presidency setting a record um he was even saying, like, look, he should be investigated, and if uh, found guilty, he should be prosecuted. Now, that was probably after a lot of pressure, because he was the last one to fucking come out and say something. Oh, yeah. I mean, you gotta be a real piece of shit when uh, nobody likes you, and, you know, Joe Biden's still got your back. So, I want to read the exact quote from the lieutenant governor. Okay, okay good. About yeah. Cuomo from this article, because it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty like, funny. you think there's gonna be a caveat here, and there's not. So I just want to read it verbatim. This is from uh, former Democratic Lieutenant Governor uh, Richard Ravitz. And he said, quote, the problem with Cuomo is no one has ever liked him. (laughs) And and not like, you know, no no one's ever liked him since, you know, the last six. It's like no one has ever liked him ever in his life. Right. (sighs) He's not a nice person. And he doesn't have any real friends. If you don't have a base of support and you get into trouble, you're dead meat. That's so cutting. <laughs> and and just to, to kind of give a, an anecdote here about like what a kind of piece of shit Andrew Cuomo's always been, you know, like right. he in the article they talked about how you know when he was doing all his like daily COVID updates, right, and taking on Trump and like you know got this huge blue mega crowd behind him. As soon as he was off the air, he would immediately expect his staff to have like real time ratings for him, right? Ready, to tell him like how good he does. Like you're giving health updates. Like who gives a shit about your fucking ratings? It, it, he you is petty piece of shit. Exactly like Trump. This is Trump 
one oh I mean that's that was Trump always with the ratings. Like he yeah. Cuomo literally would be like, When did ABC cut away? When did NBC cut like he wanted to know when each network like cut away from his press conference so that he could you know right further tweak the television performance because much like donald trump he was a television performer and didn't give a fuck about actually well, doing anything and, and he refused people. to let anyone else share credit for anything that they had done like he was constantly obsessed with bill de blasio getting credit for anything <laughs> right um, shitty in another way like shitty in a yeah, different way so so the, the the Navy has this big um, like hospital ship. It's mm-hmm. uh, called the USNS Comfort, right? And we we trot it out when we need to like uh, you know help out with uh, disaster relief or you know when New York City is under attack from uh, you know space monsters or whatever. But <laughs> right. I, I can only imagine it was there uh, during the attack on New York and the Marvel MCU. But right. uh, apparently he. Uh, Cuomo refused to greet the ship when it came into port, which I would assume there's you know some kind of like you know celebration. They play some music. There's a color guard. The captain comes out, shakes hands with the mayor, whatever. Andrew Cuomo refused to attend it and insist on having his own welcome for the ship on the on a on separate a different pier, talk. one different pier, pier over. He had his own res- like. What the fuck? And he moved it to an hour earlier than de Blasio so that he could beat the jump on him. Right. Pretend that he was first. Yeah. So yeah. fucking funny. It's I mean, if it so wasn't p- for the city of New York, like, the state of New York would just be, you know, a more northern Virginia, basically. Right. No, it's like, very... It, it, right. It's only for the city of New York that Andrew Cuomo uh, has the audience he does, or has the clout he does as governor. Right, right, for sure. Um, yeah, he's just such a fuck. He's just such a clown. I mean, you know, I, I just can't help but I, I, picture like the 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 one image that'll always stick with me to represent Andrew Cuomo's governorship is the fucking mountain, the mountain that he had built to like they literally took the COVID stats, you know, the 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 the, uh, the line graph. And they 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 texturized it and built like a mountain at like a fucking close encounters of the third kind like like mud style mountain out of the COVID graph because it you know it went up and then it went way down because at one point you know the numbers were way down now of course his ineptitude led them to skyrocket to twice as high as they were at the top of the initial mountain mm-hmm. um, but he wrote his book you know while it was down at the bottom you know about his great COVID leadership. Um, but that was, that was just the, that was the mission accomplished on the aircraft carrier, the Bush image. That was the same image to me. And that'll always be the enduring legacy of the Cuomo governorship. The, the, I mean, the image that we all saw this week of Cuomo at the governor's mansion, (laughs) wandering around his yard with this blanket, this shawl wrapped around him on the phone. (laughs) And I didn't know this till I read this piece yesterday, but like he, he, you know he's he's not married. He's been divorced for like two decades. Shocker, right? Yeah. So like, no woman wants to live with him, um, even in the governor's mansion, right? And he doesn't even own any other properties. Like that mansion is all he has to his name. <laughs> and it, for the governor of one of the largest states in the country, that's just insane. Like he's just banking like on never not being the governor like the right. governorship is literally all he has and why he's and he has millions of dollars it. he it's not that he can't afford it he just literally is such an egomaniac he's like well i'm, I'm the king I, I he literally right. thinks he's the king of new york he thinks so he's he, gonna live he's, there forever he's got no friends he's got no aides left who have any serious 
you know, desire to actually help him. Right. He's wandering around the governor's mansion out in the yard on his phone, <clears throat> advising himself, writing his own press releases. He's just like, you know, and, and the, I think we actually, we this is, this is an exclusive here, folks. Um, we actually obtained a small clip of, of the audio of right. Andrew Cuomo uh, on the phone from his yard wandering around in that shawl that we all saw last week. Yeah, let me pull that up. Uh, this, is, this is just incredible. All right, that's enough. I want him dead. Both of them. I want this no-face dead, and I want Tracy dead. What's the matter? You bums forgot how to kill people? Doesn't your work mean anything to you anymore? Have you no sense of pride in what you do? No sense of duty? No sense of destiny? I'm looking for generals. What do I got? Foot soldiers. I want this Tracy dead. So, yesterday, just out of nowhere, it, it occurred to me who Andrew Cuomo has always reminded me of. And I, I was like, holy shit, Andrew Cuomo is Al Pacino from Dick Tracy, the Warren Beatty 1990 passion project he uh, directed and stars in. So I started watching clips from the movie, and I'm like, it's, he's not just doing a generic gangster impression like he really is doing like andrew cuomo <laughs> and he, he has these weird prosthetics on him. he looks like him it, it's so bizarre he yeah. like has this like so, really big italian I, nose like he really fucking <laughs> looks like him <laughs> he totally does and I, I started reading this like retro review because el pacino was nominated for an oscar for that Best supporting actor i cannot yeah. believe that like that, that was fucking the same movie. the same year that godfather 3 came out pacino wasn't nominated for that but he's nominated <laughs> for playing andrew cuomo so i'm reading i'm reading this fucking review and this is like this this doesn't feel like a review of al pacino it really just feels like somebody talking about andrew cuomo right. um but i'll just read these excerpts here so pacino's big boy caprice that was the name of the character uh, capturing him a couple years before he descended fully into hoo-ha self-parody <laughs> is a particular tour de force of never being told no, an outsized gangland fascist that Pacino copied directly from his recent off-Broadway role of, uh, in Berlo Brecht's The Resistible <clears throat> Rise of Arturo Uri, not familiar with that, uh, hunched over Richard III posture and all. Big Boy is a bug-eyed, jabbering, false, Nietzsche-quoting toddler in oversized pinstripes, the complete opposite of Beatty's bland, tall drink of milk hero. And whenever he's on screen, the film briefly rises above the scenery uh, as it's gnashed in Pacino's teeth. Uh, whether he's screaming at his godfather brother, James Kahn, or roughhousing Madonna through the uh, paces of a musical number, Pacino is always shamelessly, amusingly over the top in a way that Dick Tracy, generally speaking, could have used more of. So <laughs> that's, just, yeah, that's a good review. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching that movie in the theater as a kid when I was like 10 when it came out. And it was, I was kind of like, eh, it's so-so. But like Warren Bay was kind of not, you know, kind of too old for the part anyway. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's playing a cop, so, you know, fuck the police. Um, but, you know, the set pieces and, you know, kind of the... the, the colors the really vibrant primary colors that that was interesting to me as a kid you know i liked visually all that. appealing for sure yeah but but pacino was what i really remembered about the movie because he's <laughs> he's he steals the fucking show right and it just yeah cuomo right there right and so yeah i do want to read from the the new york times reporting on the most recent accusation which is by far the most significant and actually will uh hopefully lead to criminal charges it's certainly it's being investigated by the ag um 
So an aide to Governor Andrew Cuomo, who has accused the governor of improper behavior, uh, said that Mr. Cuomo had groped her in the executive mansion, according to new details of her account reported by the Times Union of Albany. Uh, The aide, who was not identified by the newspaper, said she was summoned to the governor's private residence last year. This is very recent. uh, During COVID uh, to assist Mr. Cuomo with a technical issue when alone on the second floor, the governor closed the door, reached under her blouse and began touching her. The newspaper said the new details of the account, which were reported on Wednesday, involved the most uh, sexually aggressive allegation yet. The woman was the sixth person to accuse the governor of sexual harassment or inappropriate behavior. I I find it weird that the Times won't call that sexual assault because it's like textbook sexual assault, but whatever. Um, The newspaper reported on Tuesday that the allegation had been forwarded to the state AG who was overseeing the inquiry into sexual harassment claims against the governor. Um, (laughs) I just want to read Cuomo's response real quick because his response is always i believe women i respect women i respect the right to come forward but all these bitches are lying about me i didn't do any of these things you know uh mr cuomo on wednesday denied the woman's account reiterating his assertion that he had never touched anyone inappropriately Uh, as i said yesterday i have never done anything like this mr cuomo said in a statement the details of this report are (laughs) gut-wrenching I am not going to speak to the specifics of this or any other allegation given the ongoing review, but I am confident in the result of the uh, attorney general's report. So they're gut wrenching, but I didn't do them. She's so she's a fucking liar. I didn't do them, but put their gut wrench. Like what? He just he's so like he's so bad at that like trying to like use the right verbiage like you know to to please like the kind of liberals around him but it's 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 oj simpson's if i did it <laughs> right he's like look whoever cut those heads off was was deranged and terrible but i certainly had no part in that uh and of course as we know when when oj wrote that chapter of his book if i did it uh you know he he came up with these you know what he would have told the police as a lie as his cover up for it and everyone kind of noticed that, like, the things he would have told the police as a lie were actually what he told the police in the report when they interrogated right. him. <laughs> and, you know, just, like, not good at making up things. Not good at making this things up at all. This is hypothetical. Oh, man. man that fucking I just, I'm just waiting for OJ to, something. like, put out, a, put out, a, like, another one of his Twitter videos where he's just like, damn, Andrew Cuomo. I mean, <laughs> at least I had the dignity to, you know, end, end their lives quickly. I didn't just, you know, right. embarrass them and molest them. You know, yeah, just terrible, awful, Ugh. awful people. <sighs> yeah, and and then, you know, in, in this kind of dovetails here, I see this headline yesterday, uh, FBI facing allegations that its 2018 background check of Brett Kavanaugh was fake. Yep. <laughs> like well, real the, real fucking stunner on that one. Like the, like, like not just <clears throat> inaccurate or incomplete but fake as in didn't occur at all. Which we all knew that they weren't going to take seriously because right. right away there were reports of people who were like, "Hey, I want to testify. I want to be put on the record." And they were being told, no thanks, we don't need you. <laughs> Two of his three accusers weren't allowed to testify. I mean, what a fucking crock of shit this that is. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, so, and the fact that a senator is coming out after this is, is interesting to me. Um, so, Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat from Rhode Island, uh, <laughs> and a former prosecutor who served on the Judiciary Committee are calling on a newly confirmed Attorney General, Merrick Garland. Uh, Biden's attorney general to help facilitate, quote, proper oversight, end quote, by 
the Senate into questions about how thoroughly the FBI investigated Kavanaugh during his confirmation hearing. Ford and Kavanaugh were never interrogated as part of the inquiry. Witnesses who wanted to share their accounts with the FBI could not find anyone at the Bureau who would accept their testimony, uh, and, that, and that it had not assigned any individual to accept or gather evidence. So they didn't even have anyone pretending to work on <laughs> this background. Because you remember, it wasn't, it was like in the middle of him being confirmed. You had these two women, uh, you know, block an elevator to grab this, this senator, I forget his name, Flake. Fake, fake, Flake, Flake. Jeff Flake, yeah. uh, and and the, like basically cornered him and got him to have a moment of shame, and said, "Well, we're going to hold off on this confirmation for a week while the FBI further investigates it," and they just never did. It was just like, "Well, let's stall so people calm down so we can go back to not doing anything." Right, and it was this. a week. I mean, it, like literally, an investigation over a week would be like, "Let's do this as quick as possible. Let's get as many." You know, let, let, like put as many people on this as possible because we really need to get this wrapped up quickly. You would think that they would be working at breakneck speed and with as many people as possible to get the investigation done. But like, yeah, as, as you were saying, they just never had any intention of investigating him. And it was all a fucking charade like everything is in Washington um, and the worst people in the world, if chosen, you know, to, to pay back their favors. uh are just going to get confirmed. Like there's no, the, the one exception being near tendon, which, which will always be the greatest fucking thing in the world that she was oh, the one on the cake. Yeah. So this, this last line a, yeah. from that Kavanaugh article <clears throat> is, is just really mind blowing. Um, I don't, I don't have whose quote this was, but it was one of the people quoted in the article said, uh, that, uh, the FBI had set up a tip line, and apparently this tip line appears to have operated more like a garbage chute with everything that came down the chute, uh, consigned without review to the figurative dumpster. So it was just like, you know, they basically wrote it down and then threw it in a pile somewhere and no one ever looked at it. <laughs> so, you know, and it's, but again, it's, it's like, what are they going to, you know, like if they do a background check and here's all the testimony, what is, does the FBI give a recommendation of their own? Like what, <laughs> like, I think they just looked at it and were like, well, what are we supposed to do with this? You know, it, this isn't like establishing security clearance where it's, a, you know, just a pass or fail thing and we decide it. They just, I don't think they took it seriously. They were like, well, tr- you know, this is this is who Trump wants on the Supreme Court. We're all about law enforcement. We're all about that uh, light fascism. So we're just going to get this guy in there. He's one of ours. Right, right, right. Yep. Just, just disgusting, but. Not unexpected. Um, and now, now uh, there was another article uh, regarding the Supreme Court about Stephen Breyer, who's one of the only Democrats left on the Supreme Court, 81 years old, um, who is very upset that he's facing calls to retire now that Biden's president. <laughs> so we're just going to do the RBG thing all over again. They're just going to, you know, well, it's, you know, how dare you tell him it's time to retire? You, you know, he's only been there for 40 years and he's, he's you know, on the on death's door. But why would you tell it? Republicans are going to have a fucking eight to one Supreme Court majority by the end of the next Trump fucking four years and, and you know, 2024 to 2028. And God, it, it's just really bad. It's really bad. Ugh. Yeah, well, you know, we got the Oscars to look forward to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to the fucking... Oh, God, yeah. So I was telling you before we went on air that the Best Picture uh, nominees are just a, a fucking... I mean, and you know, look, it's it's a weird year. 
not a lot of pictures not a lot of movies came out this year but um among the 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 best picture nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah which you know we I haven't even watched yet because I I really was turned off to it just by everyone kind of talking about how much it not that it was a whitewashing but it just it was you know focused way too much on sympathizing the the fucking FBI you know traitor douchebag um who sold Fred Hampton out to get murdered by the cops and the FBI. Um, and the trial of the Chicago seven, which is the most fucking bastardized liberalized version of the life of, uh, anarcho communist, Abby Hoffman directed by fucking Aaron Sorkin. So, right. You know, one of those two is going to fucking win. I mean, the, the deal with, with, uh, <laughs> Judas and the black Messiah was, wasn't that it humanizes his informant. I mean, the guy was forced to do this by the FBI and they, they show that, uh, the problem is just that that takes up like the majority of the screen it, time. It's focused all on it, it's his movie. It, it's, it's I mean, Fred Hampton, movie, right? it reminded me of The Dark Knight Rises and that, you know, Fred Hampton as Batman is only in the movie for 25 minutes. Right. It, it's, it really is. Shows like, up for the climax, basically. Like, right. It's like Judas in all caps, and then lowercase at the bottom, asterisk, and the Black Messiah. <clears> you know, and you don't, you don't end up learning anything about Fred Hampton. Like, right. the only time you hear the word socialism is in, like, the, the FBI's playing uh, a, a reel of one of his speeches. Right. And as soon as he says the word socialism, it, like, smash cuts to black, like, with, like, a big, like, like scary... Like, you're just supposed to be afraid of it the way the FBI is afraid bum, of bum. it. Right. Yeah, and it's like, it never goes into, you know, how did Fred Hampton come to learn about socialism? How did that become his ideology? You know, how was that part of the black experience? The film does not touch any of that. It's just... I'm a revolutionary. Oh, and then everyone chants along with him that. And it's like, okay, but, but why? Right. But like, how is this, what, what does it, what does revolution mean to these people, to Fred Hampton? Like the, the film doesn't touch on any of that. Right. So it wasn't that it was, it was incorrectly, it was just a wasted opportunity to tell a much more interesting story uh, with, with a right. very interesting. It's a cautionary tale. They're like, Hey, matter. if you, right. if you step out of your lane, uh, here's what the government <clears throat> will do to you. That's what the movie's message is. Right. Here's how the government will fuck you over. It's not the government's wrong and we should be organizing against it. It's, you know, better watch your ass or this is what's going to happen to you. It feels like like cops made the movie. Right, right. Which is a shame because, you know, the, the real version of a Fred Hampton story would never be made by Hollywood, unfortunately. And it sucks because there was a lot of really good uh, talent involved in that, too. So I was very hopeful that it would be better, but fuck um and yeah so those, those one of those will probably I, i'm sure sorkin will fucking sweep through the awards and he'll talk about what a what a great guy abby hoffman was and how much he loved democracy oh and he God. loved the system and, and and this is this is the people <clears throat> who see nothing wrong with like filtering every movie through the pentagon this this tweet came out yesterday from the department of defense uh, it, it's Oscar, hashtag Oscar 90 Sunday. And did you know that the DOD works with Hollywood to ensure the military is correctly portrayed in films? Correctly Not accurately. portrayed in films. Correctly. <laughs> correctly. Right. Find out how these partnerships work. Partnership. Yeah, fuck you. Partnership my ass. Uh, and then it says, be sure to follow our Oscars coverage on DOD outreach, hashtag Cool jobs, hashtag know your mill. Wow. <laughs> it's just like... And, and all the Marvel oh, fucking oh chuds were all like, oh, what do you, what do you mean that the, uh, Captain Marvel's propaganda and all oh. the, the Marvel... 
it's like they literally work. I mean, the even fucking Black Panther, which had a really good writer director and a really good cast, was still fucking bogged down by having to have the fucking this CIA guy save the day. Like, right, <laughs> right. And it's like, haha, wink, wink. We kind of want the weapons, right? Um, and then that's how they can excuse it. But it's this isn't some fucking secret. I mean, no, they're, they're, they're very the DOD is tweeting about how they have partnerships with Hollywood. <laughs> The CIA has their own office of film operation right. in which they, they, you know, monitor movies to make sure that they're not saying anything that's too, uh, you know, off script from what the state media wants portrayed. So, yeah, I, I reply, I quote to them. I was just like, yeah, correctly portrayed in films. Yes. Thank you, Ministry of Truth, for making sure we don't accidentally engage in wrong think. Right. No, I mean, but it, and it's seriously like the like fucking like Goebbels like fucking Ministry of Propaganda. Like it's literally just this is yeah, it, it's oh god. But people if, will still if, defend just imagine, that shit. Just imagine if if like you know the uh, North Korea put out a tweet like that. Right, right. What what are what are NatSec people would say with, about with, that? And that's what people make fun of North Korea for. But it's just so hilarious to see a, on a constant basis the exact same thing that they they claim is happening in all of these countries and these socialist and communist countries it's like our state media is so much more subservient than any of those than than than, than the even the comical descriptions that they give of north korean media or russian state media or you know it, it's just they but they but they don't realize because they're too close to it or they do and they just don't you know that they're that fucking you know America, fuck yeah, brainwash. But right. Well, this is this is you know what what they call inverted totalitarianism. <clears throat> you know, we we make it appear as though we're in a partnership with the people who are oppressing us. You know that right. that's how they <laughs> we don't we don't have like a singular figure. You know, like Kim Jong Un, who's treated as a god, but we basically make the entire state apparatus the thing that we worship. Right. Right. Um, and you see this kind of, you know, I mean, this is this is a form of censorship. It's it's intimidation. Like, sure, you have freedom of speech. You can make a movie that says anything you want, but we're going to severely limit who can see it. Right, right, right. and we're going to make sure right. we're going to make sure it doesn't get funding from the military. It's not going to get any major studio funding, right? So, it's the same thing as is what's you know what Facebook does. Um, this just came across my desk um, this morning. <laughs> that uh, oh, where'd it go? Scrolling up my notes here. Oh, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who is the COO of Facebook. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg and top Facebook execs silenced an enemy of Turkey to prevent a hit on the company's business. So I'm just going to read a little bit here. Um, Turkey was demanding the social media giant block Facebook posts from the People's Protection Unit, a mostly Kurdish militia group uh, that the Turkish government had targeted. Remember, two years ago when Turkey invaded Syria... And just started like wiping out Kurdish people, demanding they all move thirty miles from their border. Like that's that's genocide. That's ethnic cleansing. Right. Right. And these are the same people who had just defeated ISIS for us, for America. Uh, We are troops that we had in Syria who had fought alongside the YPG and YPJ, um, respectively. uh, We're told to pull out, and they said we felt like we betrayed these people. These were our allies, right? And Turkey, of course, is, um, you know, run by a fascist regime. So they said they didn't want the YPG posting photos of people that they had killed, right? That Turkey had killed. So uh, let's see. So they sent a legal request or demand, I should say, to Facebook. And uh, let's see here. 
Should Facebook ignore the request as it... Oh, this is sort of their editorializing in the article here. It says, should Facebook ignore the request as it has done elsewhere and risk losing access to tens of millions of users in Turkey? Or should it silence the group known as the YPG, even if doing so adds to the perception that the company too often bends to the wishes of authoritarian governments? So, really big question, really big implications. You'd think they would take a lot of time to ponder that. Well, turns out Sheryl Sandberg uh, summed it up with just... Five words. I am fine with this, wrote Sandberg, <laughs> Facebook's number two executive, in a one-sentence message to a team that reviewed the page. Three years later, YPG's photos and updates about the Turkish military's brutal attacks on the Kurdish minority in Syria still can't be viewed by Facebook users inside Turkey. Well, yeah. unreal. This is the same Facebook who, in the same year, allowed uh, fascist military generals in Myanmar to post basically calls for ethnic cleansing and genocide in that country. Right. And it, there was hundreds of thousands of people killed. And they were like, oopsie, maybe we shouldn't let, you know, military generals... Uh, I mean, what did the YPG do? They posted people, pictures of victims who were killed by Turkey. Right. So if you're, the, if you're the one doing the killing, you can post anything you want to, according to Sheryl Sandberg and Facebook. If you're trying to expose the victims... Of that atrocity? Nope. We're going to censor that. That's, I mean, that's American media to a T. We, we talk about it all the time. You can show the missiles taken off. You just can't show them landing. Like, that's the fucking, that's the that's the line that they fucking, you know, whether they know it or not, that they draw in U.S. Showing media. The, showing the grotesque, you know, blood and limbs blown all over, that's a, that's that's showing violence. We, we don't make judgments on the violence, but we don't show it to you, right? We don't want anyone to know about it. That is... Just common respect for those who died, right? Right. That's the shameful thing that we, you know, we keep secret. So just, you know, regarding Sheryl Sandberg, as if people think she just doesn't know any better, this is, she's like like a, you know, stereotypical example of the revolving door of, uh, you know, capital and government. She is a billionaire. She's the CEO of Facebook. She's one of the CEO, whatever the fuck she is of Facebook. She's the boss. Right. She's the boss. She's the boss. Um, Lean in, baby. Right. She uh, was formerly the chief of staff to Larry Summers when he served as the secretary of treasury under Bill Clinton. Larry Summers, one of the biggest fucking pieces of shit ever to serve as as the treasury secretary. Just total austerian conservative. Still pops his head up every once in a while to tell us why $1,400 is way too much fucking money for people that haven't had relief in nine right. months. Like he's a well, fucking we don't cunt. even know like if people are struggling person. right now. Right. Like how, how would we even measure such a thing? I mean, 14 million people lost their healthcare during the pandemic so far, but that's, I mean, that that's, you know, they, they might be fine now. They I'm sure they're need fine. to see a doctor. Right, right. No, they, 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 you know, they just wrapped it up in some duct tape and they'll, they'll, they'll get through it. Um, it's super glue. You get cut, you just put super glue in there. <laughs> right, right. Right. We've and, all done it. you know, hopefully it's not toxic, but <clears throat> after it heals, you just pull it out. Right. Yeah. So this, this is the woman that wrote Lean In, a book about why women shouldn't have a union, why women shouldn't have solidarity with each other, but why they should... Basically, work extra hard to step on each other's backs to get to the, a place where they no longer have to be w- worried about whether they can pay the rent or, or buy food or care for their kids. Like, right. that's the kind of feminism, you know, mick feminism, corporate feminism that she got rich promoting. Right. Just selfishness, just pettiness, selfishness, you know, not rejecting sexism and misogyny, but just playing the game of misogyny better, being like the men who are richer. 
Right. And she, you know, and Joe Biden thinks so much of her, they put her on his transition team. Like, this is the kind of people that Joe Biden thinks are, are great representatives of, of women in government. Like, this is the mentality they, they fucking put forth. And, you know, there's just no accountability whatsoever. Joe Biden, you know, I saw this article the other day. Joe Biden has not done a press conference, like I said, at all uh, since he's taken office. He's been in office over 60 days. Uh, he's gone longer without taking un, un, uh, filtered questions from the press, uh, of any of his 15 president, uh, press bleh, predecessors, <laughs> any of his 15 predecessors in the last hundred years, there hasn't been a president who has taken less questions, you know, less questions from the press. Like that's how much they're fucking hiding him because it's very clear the few times he does appear that he is cognitively, uh, losing his function i mean we saw you know we saw that video the other day where it was like looked like a fucking you know biden green screen video again where he talks to these off-camera uh press people for and answers one question and then just kind of like you know daughters away um but you never actually see anyone you know in the frame and, and you're like who was there and like nobody fucking knows like it was just it, he's just it's very clear they're doing the 86 Reagan playbook with him and he just has taken office. So it's really does not bode well for his uh, presidency. Um, and you know, they can't keep this up for four years. I mean, this, this is, this seems to be on, I would sure think can. this would be unsustainable, but I mean, they have no fucking shame. I mean, we saw it with Andrew Cuomo, like these motherfuckers will they'll just, cling to they'll power. They'll just switch Biden out with Prince Philip and no one's going to know the difference. <laughs> right. No, they'll get, they'll, they'll get the adrenochrome guy who does Phillips injections <laughs> and they'll, they'll just give him the fucking. Oh my God. Oh, you see man. pictures of that guy and you're like, uh, oh like, my fucking God. And this is, this is the kind of like, you know, they, they told uh, Megan Merkel that they were worried about the skin color of her child <laughs> and it's like we're worried there might be any color at all because right. honestly the only color we want is to see the purple veins under the eyelids right of our our the fucking <laughs> fish people of Innsmouth are worried about the color of, of Megan and Harry like two really attractive people's fucking child like that's really oh just, just just and, I, and I love that I love that Prince Harry's brother is like there's nobody racist in the royal family like have you watched the crown have you watched the show about your own family I, I think because he's... they're the most fucking racist people in the world right I think he said that as he was being carried upon atop his throne by the by the indigenous you know half naked <laughs> By his tribes, slaves, right? by his African slaves, <laughs> which yeah. is an actual photo that exists from like two years ago. Um, yeah, just yeah. just real, real fucking oh out of touch shit. I, I've mentioned um, it before, but I, I've uh, I, I've watched all three or four seasons of The Crown, however many there are. And my favorite moment is when um, I I forget the, which country it was, but they um, uh, in Africa that there's they repeatedly go back to kind of Africa to kind of like uh, tour the the nations they subjugate and convince themselves that they're they're you know. Uh, their loyal subjects somehow love them right and then one episode like they they have a little communist revolution and they tear down a there's a scene where they're like ransacking the um the embassy and they, they like tear down a painting of the queen and replace it with a painting of, of lenin and there's like scary music playing and i'm just like <laughs> this this show totally has like a like a far left-wing undertone to it like right. they're, they're making it so look scary but in reality it's like no this is the this is the proper response to colonialism is communism right i actually might check that show out. I've, I've heard enough good things and i know that like now diana's a part of the show so i, I think i might 
have to kind of bite the bullet and oh, finally God. check bite it out. Bite the bullet? What are you <laughs> well, no, I, I, I just, I, you know, I, I fucking, I, I think my issue is I was concerned because I just loathe uh, royal, you know, the crown and and, and royalty uh, just fundamentally as a principle. So I was worried that it would be too right. much of a the show, glamorizing, you know, but, but apparently uh, it's the not The show does, does not glamorize these people. The show shows how petty right. and bitter and awful they are. And also how it like just the, the people that are born into it. Right, how it traumatizes them, right? right. Um, and Gillian Anderson, season four, as Margaret Thatcher, like I was, I was a little bit worried they were gonna kind of like make her too likable. Oh, they perfection. Per, Gillian Anderson deserves like all the fucking Grammys for that portrayal. They do her no justice, and I should have known better too because season one, John Lithgow is plays uh, Churchill, and they show what a bloated drunk piece of shit he was right. <laughs> to to perfection also there's a whole episode about like his his official portrait being painted and how he hates it and despises it and despises right, the it makes artist him look that too painted fat it. or something just because it didn't it presented him as he really was right, and he couldn't right. stand that he's he's a guy like cuomo that is this obsessed with his public perception and fading relevance right. and just you know drives him crazy um so yeah d- definitely watch that show yeah, yeah, um, yeah. every every season really delves into you know the ways that some of these people try to be good so it's not uh, sequential it's and, not it's it's like different periods of of the like of the of the oh, monarchy. it's sequential it's just it's like each each season represents roughly a different decade oh okay, okay. okay queen elizabeth's been fucking queen for like right. 90 years anyway so insane. they got a right. lot of ground to cover um but they have different actors portraying them. they don't just like do a bunch of age makeup right um but yeah, I mean, her sister, the queen's sister, uh, is probably one of the most compelling characters, and is really likable, you know, and like do- it doesn't have that stiff upper lip, and like she'll go out to bars and dance and sing, and everyone likes her, and it's like, why couldn't she have been queen? Like <laughs> right. she she actually wanted to, right? right. That's why. <laughs> That's exactly right. exactly because she's a fucking person. They they, um, they loathe actual personable, decent, you know, caring people in that fucking family. Yeah. <laughs> like they just yeah. they run them out or they fucking murder them with a you know well, a limousine. And the show. It covers a lot of like historical events that I'd never even heard of. There's there's one episode where there's this huge uh, coal mine collapse that kills a bunch of people, and they're trying to get the queen to go there just as like an act of of you know empathy. And she, empathy and she's like she's like you know the queen goes to hospitals. The queen does not go to the sites of disaster. And they're all like, could you be a more heartless bitch? Like, like right. come on. <laughs> And I'd never heard of this disaster, and, you know, it was about, like, workers and their children who were killed, right? So, like, the show definitely has... There's even an episode about this, this like, uh, like some kind of weather event that caused all the coal soot in London to not blow out to sea anymore. So they had, like, this huge respiratory uh, emergency. Like, so it, it was like an, sort of like an environmental episode almost. So the show definitely takes uh, a left-wing look at the royal family and all the harm they've caused to themselves and to the public. Right. Yeah. And, you know, briefly before we get off the topic, cause we were talking about the, the, the you know, the, the, the YPG, the uh, all female Kurdish uh, communist uh, military. Uh, <laughs> I know you're as excited as I am for the, the upcoming television series being produced by Hillary and Chelsea Clinton about oh the God. YPG, about the all female <laughs> Military. Yeah, I, I'm sure they'll focus on the fact they're a communist militia. Right. No, this, this, uh, this is going to be <laughs> Chicago Seven all over again. It's going to be Chicago Seven on uh, steroids. God. Oh man. And this is this is what happens. I mean, you have this happen on the left too, where uh, you know fetishizing women with guns 
and not understanding like what they were struggling for. You know, right. like not like, oh, they were just fighting ISIS. Well, no, they were <laughs> they were a militia well before ISIS and they've been fighting against authoritarian, you know, because, you know, the what we call Kurdistan exists in Iran, Iraq, Turkey and Syria. Right. It's an autonomous region. And the, the, the Syrian area of Kurdistan is called Rojava. And they have a whole system of basically, you know, eco-socialism that they patterned on the writings of Murray Bookchin, who was a anarchist writer in the United States, uh, whose daughter is actually a huge advocate for the YPG and YPJ uh, right. militias. Um, so, yeah, and you read about, like, how they have designed their sort of, you know, anti-state nation and how it's like this more Democrat, like an actual organized version of anarchism where you have councils that scale up, right? Instead of electing somebody at the top that appoints everyone below them, everyone is, is you know, you have councils at a local level. They all pick one person from that council to the higher level and then so on and so forth. So it's, it's a much more democratic form of self-governance. So, of course, fascist Turkey hates that. Right, right. <laughs> and wants to destroy it. Uh, didn't so, they? Yeah. And it could be conflating two different things we talked about. But I, I vaguely remember when we reported on this. Didn't they? Weren't they like in the '80s, like when they were kind of like establishing their little autonomous zone? They cited uh, Bernie Sanders and his like the way he he basically would run the the, the government of you know of Burlington as like. I, part- there might be a connection there. I don't recall, but I could yeah, have that, that somewhere. Up. Um, I, it sounds. It, it just. It, there was it, one of the. Yeah, I, I'll have to look that up, and and we'll report back next week. But I remember. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure Murray Bookchin knew about Bernie Sanders, and I'm sure in all the things that Murray Bookchin wrote, he probably mentions Bernie Sanders and maybe even uh, community land trusts in, right. in some of that stuff. So yeah, and you know they read a lot over there because I don't know that's. That's what you do when you're trying to have a radical revolution is you read other people who wrote about it before you. Um, but, yeah, I just I, again, I see Hillary Clinton's name on that. I'm like, they're going to it's going to be the Cheryl Sandberg sanitized version of of Rojava. So, yeah, just. Yeah. Incenses yeah. me. Yeah, no, for sure. Um no, I was just trying to Google that. It, it does appear that I, I am correct uh, in that Murray Bookchin and, and Bernie had a relationship at the time. And yeah, there's, oh, cool. there's something about that. I um, just figure a guy named Bernie and a guy named Murray would, <laughs> would be fucking pals when it came down to whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, hanging out, at, hanging out at a coffee shop, you know, gesturing wildly about whatever they're talking about. Right. No, for sure. Yeah. All right. So, um, let me just see here. Oh, you know, we should before we get out of here. I want to mention briefly the 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 kind of thing that went down with with Brooklyn Dad Defiant, uh, everyone's oh, everyone's favorite fucking <laughs> shit poster on Twitter. Who, you know, just uh, just really, you know, he's up there with like the horse whisper for like shittiness, but he was never as he never like he never exuded the not that horse whisper ever came off as intelligent, but he came off as like a know it all prick. Like this guy just seems like an idiot who ba- like he he felt a lot more like the Krasensteins to me, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like just just real definitely, real definitely Krasenstein head full of yeah. rocks, but like would tweet just real basic you know stupid shit in defense of the Democratic Party and you know. And this guy, you know, somebody said, oh well, the defiant part was because he started his account as like 
a you know men's rights account because he was defiantly not paying his court ordered child support, <laughs> which I believed and turned out like that that may have not been true. It may be. I don't know who knows, you know. But <laughs> you know, his his profile pic is this, you know, older soul brother looking guy with like this salt and pepper beard on like in front of a brick wall and he's like the camera's looking up at him yeah like no it's a, got, it's a good picture like it's 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 you, you just imagine he's got like this deep baritone voice you know and that he's he like speaks authoritatively you know and then somebody released a, an audio clip of what he really sounds like well, this is from his and youtube think, show yeah yeah so of course he has a youtube show um, but I had never heard this before, so I, I guess we should just take a listen to... Let's, let's listen to what this Soul Brothers voice actually sounds like. They say I'm a, a paid shill. A paid... I'm a neoliberal corporatist shill. Nobody pays me to tweet. A guy approached me. He was finally, he was like, you know what? Brooklyn Dad, you're really good at Twitter. Now, Brooklyn Dad... Gets paid money. What kind of capitalism is this? I used my considerable graphic design talents. Rose Twitter. They came at me like Trumpers. They're worse than Trumpers. Stop putting the loss of Bernie on us. Trolls on the far left, they don't want Democrats to win. They believe... There's something, uh, my man was telling me, uh, there's a thing called accelerationism. It means that you have to get a fascist in office in order for socialism to happen. That's stupid. If you believe that shit, you are my enemy. I'll say it again. You. All right, that's enough of him. Um, yeah, so 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 you know, Brooklyn Dad Ben Shapiro really wants you to. By the way, number one, that was not my audio going in and out or cutting out. His audio is fucking terrible. He he is terrible mic discipline. He clearly is drunk and like slurring his words. Uh, he um, sounded like he's got like the 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 nasally froggy Woody Allen voice. Right. Like that is not the voice I expected <laughs> to come out of that man. Right. Um, but again, it's it's all about perception, you and, know. And yeah, you know. I, I love his logic though. He's like, I don't get paid to tweet. I was just good at Twitter, so people gave me money. Well, what do you do on Twitter? They gave you money for it. Your fucking tweets. Yeah, which, That's which what are Twitter not at is. all clever and really fucking dumb <laughs> like and in you, defense of the powerful is the only reason he's you know. I, I like how he, he phrases too. Like, I, a guy came up to me and said, "I want to give you money." Like he's just like on the right. street and somebody walks up and is like, "Oh." You're tweeting so well. I just want to give you money for the fact that you're tweeting stuff. But I'm not. I'm not paying you to tweet. I'm not telling you what to tweet. I just like what you already are tweeting. So here's a bunch of money. That never happens. That right. doesn't happen. No. And by, <laughs> yeah. So there. He's being paid by a Democratic super PAC. This super PAC called Really American. Which I know the guy who runs this. I I did some campaign work for him before I realized he was a fucking grifter. This guy's a grifter extraordinaire, and he, um. Yeah, so this so he apparently was getting paid sixty k uh, a year or sixty k, you know, just over this 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 disbursement period, which I don't even think was a full year, um, you know, to to be like the senior vice president, whatever the fuck he is of this pack that literally just takes money, and you know, and from horrible companies uh, and funnels it to you know democratic causes, ad buys and TV ad buys, bullshit, you know, consultant bullshit. They they it's just another wing of the consultancy um 
this guy is 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 not clever. He has no actual special skills. Um, you know, it, and it's just hilarious because he's just such a prick and a dickhead on Twitter who's constantly like, you know, uh, he was one of the first prominent and I say prominent just because he has a lot of followers. He's not actually a prominent person and nobody outside of the extremely online left would even know who this fucking joker was. Um, but he was one of the first prominent people to tweet, uh, about how oh well the timing on this is very suspect about Andrew Cuomo's accusers and basically implying that right. Trump is somehow you know as if like the fucking Democratic Attorney General of New York and the Democratic Lieutenant Governor of New York are colluding to let Trump off the hook for his New York State investigation like it's it's fucking preposterous it's it's insulting but it's you know this is the kind of shit that he got paid sixty thousand dollars for just just exceeding mediocrity. Um, and just on a side note, he is Brooklyn dad defiant, but he has a big, like it, like it, it was clearly not, it's not like a door, like an interior door. It's like a door to like a big yard. Like it's like a, you know, a door with like a glass, like a sliding door or whatever behind him. So he, there's no way he fucking lives in Brooklyn. Like that does not exist in Brooklyn. That's, that's suburbs right. fucking all the way. Um, well, I, I love this. The, you know, somebody, um, was post, somebody was posting, it was like a, a chart uh, and it was like the four main types of rape apologists, and the f- number four, the fourth one was the chronologist, right? So they're, they're like they can't argue with the accusation; they just try to cast out by saying, "Well, the timing of this is very telling." Like right. the timing of what? Like what? There's never not a time where they'll say that this was a crucial moment for Democrats. You know, like, oh, we can't do Medicare for all because, you know, it's only been 60 days and, you know, then we're going to be in recess. And then after it's, recess, it's just... summer recess for Congress, it's 2020 is right around the corner. So, like, th- there's never a time. It's just amazing. It's Kavanaugh all over again. say that it's exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. like, you, you really, you like, you're so, New York Democrats are so weak that they're really honestly worried about losing Andrew Cuomo to a, a Republican governor taking over there right because the last like what's (laughs) the last time a republican governor uh you know was elected in new york was not that long ago i was i was younger uh george pataki beat mario cuomo that was that was you know his he ran for a fourth term and he was so shitty that he got beat by a and conservative that he got beat by a fucking more shitty republican because enough democrats weren't excited to show up to vote for him if you can't win as a democrat in new york for governorship in the state of new york like what how right shitty are you <laughs> if well, you think that that's that's like somehow a, like a, a mountain decline and this is the same shit that's happening in california right now there's a, a very uh strong effort right now to recall gavin newsom you know the, the the fucking 80s movie villain the pat riley of 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 democratic politics who uh you know has just been exceedingly shitty uh you know neoliberal fucking loves opening loves to open up california for fracking wells um but, you know, he's, of course, you know, dashing it as a Republican effort to recall him. It's like, no, it's a bipartisan effort. Everyone fucking hates you. The left hates you. The right hates you. Just the people who don't know anything or do any research for themselves uh, and watch MSNBC think you're great. Like, that's the only people that elect you. And there's enough of a uh, enough of a disparity in, in, in Democrats to Republicans in California that he's squeaked by. But now he's actually facing a lot of heat with this recall. He actually might get recalled. 
and you know it's and it's of course it's a Republican effort, and you're going to get repla- it, they're a replacement of a Republican. If you're mm-hmm. running as a Democrat and you're shitty enough to lose to a Republican in a state that's got like a nearly 70 30 split then you are a fucking loser like you do not deserve to hold office if you can't win in a state that skewed towards democrats like that it's just you know it's preposterous but yeah i i I would argue that arnold schwarzenegger was to the left of gavin oh 100 percent. i mean he was (laughs) arnold schwarzenegger actually you know made climate change one of his you know like priorities like and i'm of course i'm sure people from california be like oh well he did this this and this i don't know i wasn't you know in california but he is is at least outwardly a lot more supportive of of you know the green new deal than fucking gavin newsom is like that's you know just that alone um and talks, and you know, he's very big it, on like gerrymandering. How many, how many years has Arnold been trying to save us from a dystopian future where robots kill everybody? And <laughs> right, he's like literally traveling how, through time. How many fucking T one thousands did Gavin Newsom blow up? Is what I want to know. I, I think fucking right. zero. Like that's that's zero. Right, zero. How many boys? How many young boys and and expectant mothers has Gavin Newsom saved from being uh, killed by a, a three hundred pound? metal robot that can't be stopped can't be reasoned with <laughs> right right none none as far as i know if, if he has i'd like yeah. to see it um no yeah no, it, it, yeah that's got to be the weirdest fucking thing of all time in american politics arnold schwarzenegger was the governor of california it can always get weirder yeah it can always it get weirder probably will if if there's we're all just like on, on pins and needles on walking on eggshells hoping that like mark zuckerberg doesn't actually run oh, that, be, you know, he that, would know i that that like right. the rock doesn't run for president you know that just, would be... just how much dumber so, can we get as a nation zuckerberg i think would never get elected because he's a fucking android like there's no way he could get people to vote for him the rock would well he he knows that he has a bad name for politics right. because i would immediately print up fuckerberg's bumper stickers <laughs> and put them all over the goddamn city well, remember, remember when he like flirted with running in 2020 and he like went and like ate dinner in like a farm like a farmer's house and like he did that weird fucking tour of like like hanging out with real americans like it was it was so cringe it was so like it was very much like Hillary Clinton trying to like go visit a normal person's house level of, oh, of cringe, God. but the, the Hillary Clinton like walking into the apartment <laughs> and like looking at like the house plants, looking at the ceiling, horrified. Like, this is like a this is like a a closet for me. <laughs> this, like, this, this is your whole home. <laughs> um, but no, the Rock is a real problem because he's got really shitty mainstream centrist poli- like you know politics, and he's very charismatic and a very good speaker. So I'm very concerned he actually would win if he ever did run or he would very he he would he would be a very big problem to any actual like moderately left candidate running I think cuz he would definitely run in the yeah, Democratic party. Yeah. He would definitely appeal to young male voters that have very expensive sports cars but live in their parents basement still cuz they spent all <laughs> no, of their like money on the thing is, tricking out a fucking drag is, racer. I mean and you know wrestling fans will tell you he is considered by by far the best uh, promo guy of all time meaning like the best talker and he's very good on his feet like improving. so i really think he would fucking destroy people in debates which is bad because his politics are pretty standard you know meathead instagram guy politics and you know I, it, you know mo- you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps type shit so it, it's very concerning that he he actually if he does decide to run would probably make a very strong run it and you know potentially destroy any any chance of like 
I don't even know who would be running at that point, you know, 2028 or whatever, but it, yeah, it's worrisome. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but I mean, he would have to give up his career of, <clears throat> you know, fighting monsters in the jungle and driving cars fast out of airplanes. <laughs> it's such a shame too. Cause it's like, you really could have like had the Arnold Schwarzenegger career and you just decide to make just the exceedingly shitty mindless movies where it's like, you, you really could have like, tried to like stretch yourself as an actor but like also taken on really well-made sci-fi and action movie project and it's just like no no i'll take whatever shit you throw at me he's got this he's got this writer in his contract where he's you know his character can't lose a fight can't even come close (laughs) to losing a fight right right in all the all the movies it's just like nope i have to overwhelmingly win everything which is why that and vin diesel had that uh, same clause which is why that their ridiculous fight in fast five or fast six was like just preposterous like throwing each other through walls like they're fucking you know dinosaur like they literally had the strength of two dinosaurs fucking going at it and it comes to a draw like neither one like goes you know right goes over right. the other and, and then on the other side and you got like arnold playing the terminator he's like no i have to get killed every time right like right. i'm gonna get, i'm gonna just gonna get like wrecked well, and, <laughs> but i'm gonna be a real hero doing it and this is and, you know there's five people still listening but this is such a niche conversation but that's actually something that you know like pro wrestlers will tell you the biggest thing uh the biggest the, the most important thing for really big monster guys people like brock lesnar or, or you know whatever whoever the most important thing for guys like that is that they have to be good at selling, meaning like getting the shit kicked out of them. Because if they're not, then nobody gives a shit when they actually do well or win or, you know, right. come out on top. And that's something that I think Arnold fundamentally understood that people like The Rock and Vin Diesel and these people who are so obsessed with their image will never understand, and which is why they'll never, uh, you know, they'll never get to that next level as a superstar where people actually, you know, Arnold's like a beloved figure and people just are like, oh, yeah, The Rock, he's in a bunch of shitty action movies. You know, it, it's just I, that's that's why there are no good. And Stallone, of course, I mean, Stallone fucking lost in the first Rocky movie or, you know, it was a draw. Like, right. And he's gotten the shit kicked out of him multiple times. And that's the you know the reason <sighs> yeah. everyone fucking loves him so much and why it's so. I mean, St- Stallone, go go watch the movie Copland. If you want to talk about it, like a broken hero, right? Who like barely beats the bad guys? You know, go watch Copland. It's one of the best, like, modern westerns, um, uh, directed by the same guy that did Logan. So, if if you want to talk about like a broken hero, right. and and why that's ten times more compelling than the fucking huge roided out muscle bound guy that always wins. Go watch that movie and walk the line. That guy also directed, so he's very, he's a very big fan of like these these broken, tragic, uh, you know, heroic figures. Um, yeah. But yeah, so anyway, so yeah, go watch that. <laughs> go watch Queen's Gambit. Go watch The Crown. <laughs> <laughs> right, you have your homework for next week. Um, yeah. No, so all right, well, I think that basically wraps us up. We're just we're just fucking bullshitting at this point. But um, we got to get back to reviewing movies because that's I know like I know clearly we, clearly we that's what we want to do. We're itching to do it. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll more on that soon, I'm sure. And we'll we'll you know hopefully we're this is episode one ninety seven. We have uh, episode two hundred coming up, so we're gonna try to you know get some of our our past uh, you know more more frequent guests back on for that and we will uh you know that'll be that'll be a good big episode hopefully something interesting will have happened in the news that week but even if not i'm sure it'll be fun uh and interesting getting the band back together right right, for sure yeah so uh on that note 
That wraps us up. If you want to support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left, facebook.com slash move left idiots, patreon.com slash move left. We have merch at tinyurl.com slash move left pod, and the show is on Twitter at move left pod. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye.